Welcome to our podcast. Who are we? As a matter of black. black. I'm Bowie. And this your boy, the Valentine Heartbreaker. <laughs> if you think you're lonely now, wait until tonight, girl. Mister, if you felt single on Valentine's and you sad, send me a DM so I can laugh. All right. <laughs> I see you trolling people on Valentine's Day, and I just thought it was so funny. And I retweeted, like, when I saw you post things about Valentine's Day, I retweeted it because it just really made me laugh. And so... Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> I should do what? You should make that a thing every year. Yeah. I, I might. I just always... Let me tell everybody in the whole world, Valentine's Day is not anything serious to me. Uh, I don't think that I have to wait to any certain date to tell how people that I'm in love with, how I feel about them in a relationship with, how I feel about them. And so I think it's crazy that people like get depressed, get sad on that day. Uh, only unless you like widowed or something like that. Then mm -hmm. I understand, you know what I'm saying, if they did something for you, especially every day, it's, it's a memory. But for folks who are like been single for like the past four or five years and you get sad on February 14th, I think it's hilarious and I will laugh in your face. I will laugh down your throat. <laughs> yeah, Charlemagne, Charlemagne uh, is notorious for doing that too. He gets online and like trolls people for Valentine's Day. One of the things I feel like is so interesting is like it's now people have really taken on the idea that it's not such a serious holiday but yeah but then also there there's like nuances to it so it's like well it's a day of love quote unquote and so you know what i'm saying love is in many shapes forms and sizes or whatever and you know you can celebrate this type of love on this day during these kind of things and then something i saw too that was really cool was like because some people really are triggered by like these holidays, and if you let it get to you, like you could become one of those people too. But I saw all these people reposting this meme about like, oh, I'm we're sending love to you know this person, like a person who wants a relationship but doesn't have one, or a person who, who like, you know, just got out of a uh, just broke up with their significant other, and I was like, okay, I guess that's nice. Yeah, but at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are celebrating days that didn't mean anything until to us until we got in a relationship. You know, yeah. Um, like real talk, like I remember on one of my elementary classes, they had to cancel the Valentine's Day dance because some of the girls didn't get um, Valentine's. Uh-oh. But guess what? It was more girls than it was boys in the class. Mm -hmm. So unless they was, you know, unless one of the guys was going to be on some pimping stuff at the age nine or ten, they wasn't going to all have Valentine's at the dance. It was just for the school. It was just for the class. 
And so like, but a few mothers had called and said, my daughter's so sad she didn't get to have a Valentine and whoop-de-whoop, -whoop, blase, blase. And they went through this whole little, nobody can bring Valentine's today and nobody can do this and all this type of stuff. And we were kids and we were just like, we confused. Y'all told us to do something for this day and then now we can't do nothing for this day. Now my mother <laughs> me because I got to take this stuff back to the store. You know, uh, it was, but, but that's like, that just goes to show you like these holidays, like the intention behind them is, it's not authentic. And I think the older you get, you realize that it's like the commercial pressure and all of this, you know, this tradition is like, it doesn't really matter to you if you were, like if it's nothing of importance to you. And so you just have to look at it like that and, and not be pressured by what society thinks. Yeah. It really matter. you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. My dad was notorious for like doing stuff for me on Valentine's Day, like as a kid, and even like as a young adult. Like just as recent as like I don't know if it was last year or maybe it was year before last, but he came over to my house and uh, he tried to hide. He tried to hide like this balloon thing. He's like, oh, you know, I'm outside or whatever. Can you come get me? And I was like, sure. And then I called him and I'm like, okay, where are you? I can't find you. And he's like, oh, just give me one second. And I'm like, oh my, what is he doing? And then I come around the corner and he's like, digging through his back seat to try to get like this balloon thing like the smallest balloon on, on a stick type of thing and he's like happy valentine's day and I'm, and I'm like thanks dad and this little balloon like never deflated it was like april and it was still just like full of helium and I was like, Jesus, like, if, if I, I finally just got rid of it because I was like, what am I going to do with this, like, balloon? You got, you, on the, you got you one of them aluminum balloons. Aluminum balloon on a stick. Yeah, on a stick. Exactly. I, I do exactly. When you said it, I was like, it ain't do nothing. I was like, yeah. Them, them forever balloons almost, man. You know? It's like a forever balloon. He was, like, making his best attempt and his best effort to, like, do something nice for me on Valentine's Day and stuff like that, like I can appreciate because it's like it's so random. But like if I would have never gotten a balloon from my dad, I would have been fine. Like it wouldn't have made me no difference. So anyway, happy Valentine's Day week. Well, Day no, no, no. Let's just say this real quick. Okay. What is it? Well, you go on. You seem like this is what you contend on doing with us. Uh, see, men, young, Lord. really, most of the time, don't experience no moments like that. And then you want it to feel special for us later on. Most of the time, young boys and young men and men don't get those type of days like that where they feel special. Mm -hmm. And mm. it's their birthday. Like Valentine's is notorious for being just specifically for like to make women feel special and like men a lot of times don't really feel a 
any particular way about that day. And it's kind of similar, almost kind of similar to, I'd say, Father's Day. Because Father's Day, do you see the advertisements for Father's Day? You no. Father's Day, what they, what they, what they advertised? To get to the uh, the boyfriend or the husband for Father's Day, I don't pay much attention to that. Exactly, you don't pay <laughs> to us fathers. Um, <laughs> it be it, the sales be like hardware, automotive sales, and stuff at Lowe's and Home Depot. Like, who want to get work equipment for a day celebrating them? Like. Get on the roof and fix this. <laughs> <laughs> For you, we're gonna celebrate you with a new hammer and nail set. Take these new Allen wrenches. Take this new uh sledgehammer and you know system to put these pipes in. Like, come on. Or it'd be stuff like a tie. We can only wear this tie, and depending on our job, we can only wear this tie a few occasions in a year. You know, it be like the father's <laughs> Well, I'm gonna say when I was in a relationship and I was um in a relationship around Valentine's Day, I was very much make trying to make my person feel special. Like I remember going to this guy's house, like I put together like a really cute basket and it was like a mat like a masculine basket. It had like boxers and like candy and like some other stuff that like guys like I don't remember what it was it was a long time ago child but I remember being very like intentional and was like I want him to feel special because I'm stupid first of all I want to talk about how stupid that decision was but outside of the stupidity you feel me I thought the gesture was very nice and he liked it, and he did. And it did make him feel special, although that feeling was not reciprocated. Unrequited love as you, a black woman is what I received. So you didn't get anything else. So I got something, but it was like really haphazard. And like my dad actually, my dad actually yelled at me because he was like, "You dating this dude, and he ain't thought nothing about you for Valentine's Day." He fussed at me. I got yelled at on Valentine's Day night. Because my daddy was like, this dude ain't even came to knock on the door to come see you for Valentine's. I was like, Lord have mercy. He's never going to forgive me for being like a bimbo. But then like later the guy came and like left something. He left something outside on the porch. And But then my dad was still like, but he didn't see you though. Like, he didn't come knock on the door and see you. And so my dad never didn't like but, but see, but that's not uncommon. I feel like everybody got a everybody that has celebrated Valentine's Day multiple times in their adult life or late teenage years has a like a Valentine's Day story that just totally went wrong. I got my early twenties. Okay, I got one too from my twenties too, like straight up. <laughs> Like, I was dating this chick. She was AKA, right? And we sat there and talked 
about like relationships or we were dating all this type of stuff. And she said how nobody ever made her feel special on Valentine's Day. Like nobody. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Oh, so she, nobody ever did. And I was dating her. And so what I did was, so me, so I can, so, so I would feel like a, like a lame, really. <laughs> I convinced me and two of my homies to go on a Valentine's Day shopping spree, spree right? I said, look, you do something special for the girl in your life. You do something special for the girl in your life. I'm going to do something special for the girl in my life. And we're going to surprise them because none of them expected us to do anything for Valentine's Day for them. Like, it was like, my conversation was personal that I had with her. But when I talked to my two homies, they was like, oh, she ain't really celebrating. Uh, yeah, man, she really ain't celebrating. Bam, we're going to surprise them. And mine was the horrible horror situation out of all of them. Like, both of them got great responses. And initially, I got a great response, too, right? Okay. But then we had an argument. She was, she like, was like, she was touched to tears when I showed up on Valentine's Day morning with her gifts and uh -huh. card everything. Then we got into it like a week later. Over, over some real like not serious that got blown out of proportion, and she was like, "Come get all your Valentine's Day stuff." I was like, "No." She's like, "I don't want it anymore." And I'm like, "Well, throw it away." <laughs> I want you to come and get it. I was like, "No, I'm not coming to get it." Well, I'm giving it away. Give it away. Well, what you want me to do when I give it away? I'm like, give it to charity. <laughs> see this is the problem but go ahead but yeah and so we had a whole blowout argument over she came back and apologized months later but then the damage had already been done we were not talking anymore. but she had got so upset with me over like a statement that I made and she said that the statement was like really inconsiderate and it I mean it could have been perceived that way it was basically about like a like going on a date and me not wanting to do certain things on a date or something that particular time. Like, I don't want to go do this. I'm like, cause I'm a man. I don't want to do this. And I'm not going to tell me what to do on this date. <laughs> it, it was like, it was something like that real talk. And she took it to the whole next level and was like, I don't want my gifts that I got from you last week. I was like, wow. It was, it might've been a couple of weeks. might've been. And, and the thing about it was, I was like, dude, I, you got, like, personalized stuff. Like, you an AK, you got, like, pink and green stuff. Don't nobody want this pink and green shit but you. <laughs> or one of your line sisters. Who am I going to get this to? <laughs> you know? Hopefully, hopefully she gave it to one of her line sisters. Man, she probably put that stuff in the dumpster or just kept it and, then, and put it in the closet somewhere. But I'm like, dude, you got pink and green stuff, like gifts everywhere. Stuff that you and only your your line sisters and sorority sisters. I, I'm not donating this to nobody, okay? But yeah. So just don't celebrate it. <laughs> you know, that's what I say. You got a point. Just don't celebrate it. I feel like, I feel like definitely to your point about like the idea of love and the concept of love, like that's something that I definitely want to feel. 
every day. Like outside of even like a romantic, you know, relationship. Like I want to feel like intimacy in my platonic friendships. You know, I want to feel that. And even like casual, you know, relationships or casual connections are still things that I feel like you can nurture. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like people in your community, the post office person, the FedEx guy or whatever, like people at your neighborhood grocery, like even though those are like casual connections, I still want to feel like, you know, I want to give, I want to show those people love because they do so much for you and your community, you know, relationships that I have with my friends and my family members. I want that to always be nurtured and I want to feel, I want to feel that all the time. I don't want to have to wait until some day where it's, you know, supposed to be sentimental to me. Like to me, random acts of kindness and love and those types of gestures are the best. They do seem more authentic. They do seem more genuine. So to your point, I want to feel love. I want to feel like it's Valentine's Day every day for the rest of my life. So cheers to that. All right, I'm going to go take a shot. So it was crazy because we just really started just rambling off and talking about all the things that we, I, I, you know, we never, we never, ever want to want to start an episode without thanking all of our listeners, everybody who checks us out, our followers, our subscribers, our sharers, and all that jazz. You know, we're going strong. We need to, I don't even actually even know how many years or how many episodes we've been doing this, but we've been doing it for a very long time. And I just love it. I talk about how speaking of love, love the fact that I can use my voice to be um, to express and as a way of creativity because it's cathartic for me. It feels really good. I get really excited when we finally have the opportunity to record an episode because a life, you know, life just kind of has this way of like weighing you down and my job is not the most creative job. What I do for a nine to five is not creative, but like I'm a creative person and I'm so happy that I get to record and share my thoughts and my views and have banter and and just think and express. And so to that point, so happy to have you you all listening to another episode of As a Matter of Black. Ashe. Ashe. So... It's been a minute since we've done this, but a little birdie told me that you 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 you're you've got a, a white on white crime segment uh brewing. Make it hot. <laughs> Let's make it hot. All right. Oh my god, my hot. Look, I get tired of hearing about it, but I gotta bring it to you. Being concise, sure. Look, we got another episode. Another, not another episode. Another segment of white on white crime, and it's happening every day. But we just don't get to hear about it. So I'm gonna start this off, and this is a sad situation that happened last month. You know, uh, two people were found dead in a West Little Rock home. On January the 17th, I believe, this was a married couple. Both 
people work at UAMS, yes, I'm talking about University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. These two people were married and in the midst of a divorce, according to police and court records. Hey, the officers found they went to a 56 Epiphany Circle, found Stacy and Nathan dead, both of them 45, mm. 30 p.m. According to the incident report, the couple was found by uh, the couple's stepchild. And the police determined that Nathan shot himself. So I'm talking about uh, this was a murder-suicide, right? And you know, I had to be nosy, man. Nathan was the director of research and compliance at UMS, and then his wife was a nurse at UMS. So he, so they worked there. They both worked there. Oh my gosh! And look, you know what I'm saying. I had to go to the site because Nathan was giving out awards to people. You ain't messed and screwed up the whole site. You don't even see him on there giving people awards no more. Nothing. They didn't crop photos, photoshopped him, did something. But apparently, what what it all stemmed from? They was they was both married to each other back in 2018. You know what I'm saying? Uh, got married in the summer, uh, and then had the official wedding in that November of 2018. But you know, after a uh, after about, I want to say, I guess about four years in the marriage, man. Uh, finally, the wife Stacy said, you know, she was filing for divorce in 2022 in April, and you know how relationships be. You know, they got to go back and forth, figure out, maybe I want to work it out, maybe I don't. And they was in the midst of that, but the hearing was coming up in February of this year, 2023, to get this divorce finalized. And then you know what? Nathan just couldn't handle it. Uh, they were meeting and talking one evening in West Little Rocket at their house. And you know what? Ended up happening. Murder in the city of Little Rock. And, you know, uh, like I say, this is one of those situations I had to bring it up because, you know, a lot of our black community, they ain't talk about uh, black women. They don't really get married until such and such, or they don't get married. And uh, white women, they get married in the 20 and be living happily ever after. Uh, that ain't always the case. You know what? We just don't hear about this in the news. And we'll see when. Somebody in our community get murdered. It, it stay on the news for for months and months and months, and you know, uh, all the way up until the trial. But this right yeah. here, it's, they, it's happening. They sweep it right under the rug. We talking about two people married less than five years, lived in a predominantly white neighborhood, thriving, working great jobs, a nurse, a director of research. Uh, mm -mm life and live in the uh what 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 they call those families blended families mm. have children and all that type of stuff I mean and then this man you know after trying to work it out not want to go through divorce proceedings ends up with his wife white on white violence white on white crime you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Happy to That's what it sounds like to me. 
happening in the city of Little Rock, where they steady talking about putting more police in the black community to control crime, but never talk about the crime that's happening happening in the white area. So, hey, I just got to put it out there. You know, this happened in January. You know, this just happened um last month. Yeah, yeah. I don't white violence is happening in our community. It is happening all the time. It's happening uh, with people who got great jobs, middle class lives, you know? And it's sad, you know, that a divorce can't even get settled peacefully by the courts. Ah, I'm so sorry. Hey. Yo, okay, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. So I, I do want to bring up a few points. One of the points I want to bring up is that we are talking about at a prestigious, quote unquote, you know, for it's uh, prestigious maybe relative to some people, but we're talking about a pretty notable university in Arkansas that is very white, yeah. very white. And I'm talking about you got a director of what now? Hold on, a director of research. Did you say? Yeah, a director of research and compliance. Uh-uh, a director of research and compliance, and you got a nurse. And these individuals, I'm sure they were making really good money working at, you know, UAMS. And not oh. even they, not even they could escape, you know, the tight yes. hold that violence has on their community. It happens. It happens. It happens. And we but want, you know, I want to, mm hmm. I must, all I was going to say, but you know, you know, uh, the violence, it is not uh, making front page news. It's not yes. Twitter and top of Facebook. It's not getting all those nasty comments that Facebook get every time somebody black get arrested for murder or whatever. We see nasty comments being made about thugs and all this type of stuff. Uh, murder, suicide. Come on. I mean, this seems pretty thuggish to me. Very violent, you know. And 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 to your point about a divorce, we're talking about people that you know lived in the same house together. Like they, they were dwelling in in their in the home together. And not, but not no more. But they were still like you know. Getting together to talk because they, were, they had kids and stuff. Possibly. Well, I'm not. I'm not talking about current or recent. I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, 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 this, yeah. this is the pro this is the close proximity of these people. We're talking about a husband and wife, a former husband and wife. Found by the stepchild. And so you're right to your point. I never saw it, you know, and I, we're just, I'm just so appreciative that we have somebody on the scene that's able to give us, you know, firsthand information about these types of things because, you know, people need to be forewarned. We're talking about professionals at the University of Arkansas and of medical science. Hey, that's why I'm here to let the people know what's going on in the community. Hey, all I can say is, you know, I'm just here to do my job. Well, say less. Somebody's got to do it. It's hard work, but somebody's got to do it. Hey, it's it's vigorous work. You know what I'm saying? The way, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The way that I get notified, the way the 
if this impact me, my community, my family, you know what I'm saying? I'm in the midst of all of this drama. It's all it's all happening in my city. So you know, I mean, told me as soon as you found out, you said, "Oh my gosh!" Like I have a new, I have a new development, and I, I did not. I said, "Well, I I can't like." deal with it now but you're going to tell me on the episode I did not know that it was of this magnitude and listen, there's definitely been way more coverage listen boy my name stay on the prayer list do you hear me sometimes I feel like I'm sick and I'm shut in <laughs> stay on the list I hear I hear you it's time because these are the perilous times what Wow. Well, you know, we're going to always we're going to always be looking forward to getting that information from you. Um, It don't have to be on every episode, but as many episodes as, as we can experience, you know, that'll be great for us because people have to be aware. That's what I do. All right. Well. I want to know what else you do as an artist uh, to prepare for like a show or a speaking engagement or a performance. Do you have like a ritual? Um, even though I thought you was going to elaborate a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I do kind of got a ritual. Uh, really? I thought you might have elaborated a little or something. But, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? As an artist, what I normally do to pump myself up for, for a show, for a show, uh, I always got to get my mind ready like you know, a few hours before I hit the venue. So my ritual is... And it might seem crazy to some of y'all, but it's <laughs> I always watch at least the entire documentary or at least halfway through the documentary, or I skip to my favorite parts of the documentary or watch stacks before I get ready to go do my shows. And for those of y'all who don't know what I'm talking about, I say watch stacks. Uh stacks records uh was the equivalent of what Motown was back in the 70s, but it was the Motown of the South. And Stax Records uh, was started by an Arkansas native by the name of Al Bell. Well, uh, was well, Al Bell was the, the final owner of Stax, I'll say that. Uh, he was from Forest City, black man, and Stax was just committed to making uh, more funky and soulful music to the uh, counterpart in the in the North Detroit Motown, and so uh, if you look at Stax Records, you'll see the history there uh, from from Isaac Hayes, the Barcays, the Staple Singers, Rufus Thomas, uh, Luther Ingram. These are the people that were signed to Stax, man, and it was a sound that you'll never forget. And so Stax, after the 
uh, the, the Watts riots back in the 70s in, in, uh, in Watts, uh, California, they decided to do the black version of Woodstock. And Woodstock, y'all know about that. Go go look it up. It was for the white people. What what stacks was for the black people to celebrate uh, the black community coming back together, to rebuild all that type of stuff with a big um, with a big free con. Well, not a free concept. Big cheap concert at a football stadium in Wax Watts. I'm sorry. And I watched the documentary over and over again because it's so great. And it get me ready to perform so many great performances. And one of the main characters in Wastek's documentary uh, is commentary from a young and, and pretty much unknown Richard Pryor. So I love that movie. And it love was, that. Yeah. It's, it's when Richard Pryor was pretty much unknown to the comedy world, to the entertainment world. It's commentary throughout the movie because they have a lot of commentary from random people. Some of them are community members. Some of them are people that are like very, uh, that are not known in the entertainment industry because he's not the only person that is a entertainer that makes commentary. But it's great. It's black. Love it. And I watch it every time before a show. I think that's great. So a few, uh, a few months ago, I was talking to a friend about like, some of my favorite artists and how, you know what I'm saying? They have a hard time or maybe not they have a hard time, but some of our favorite artists and how we kind of always wonder like, what are they up to or what are they doing in between projects? Mm -hmm. And like some of my favorite artists have been some of the most like elusive and evasive people that like I've ever seen. Like for instance, my one of my favorite artists is D'Angelo. And for those that don't know, you know, he's got that really infamous song and video titled How Does It Feel? Where he's like literally just hanging out with no clothes on in front of a, a black backdrop. Is that one of your favorite? No, he's not my he's not my favorite because of that. He's my favorite because he is an amazing performer and he like plays a bunch of instruments and he sings and he really kind of almost feels like the protege of the Prince Rogers Nelson. But is that the song that got your attention? Um, I think that was, the, I think that song was the song that was the most noticeable for me because it was the most prominent. Like when I was, you know, it was on 106 and Park and everything, you know what I'm saying, and right around the time, I guess. And so I remember that video vividly. I don't remember any of his other videos, like, in real time. But as I got older, like, his album, um, Voodoo, is, like, my favorite. So, like, the, uh, well, actually, well, shoot. Untitled is on Voodoo, so I guess that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> Untitled is actually the song Untitled is on Oh yeah, how does it feel? Yeah. Yeah. So it does I'm not saying a whole lot by saying it's my favorite album, but you know what I'm saying I just love D'Angelo in general. He can do no wrong in my eyes. And he can take seven years, he could take 14 years, he could take 20 years, 
to create a new body of work and I will be waited, waiting, you know, with bated breath for it to drop. As a matter of fact, his um Judah in the um I'm uh not Judah in the Black Messiah. What is it called? His album, The Black Messiah, D'Angelo and the the Black Messiah with the Vanguard or whatever. Anywho, yeah. that album that he released, I have it in every form. I've got it on digital, I got it on CD ROM, I got it in, on vinyl. And I listened to it front and backwards. I listened to it so much. I had kept it in my CD player for two and a half years straight. I never even took it out. My CD player. In the CDs. <laughs> but he had spent so much time, you know, off the radar. People were saying he was on drugs and stuff like that. And um, I, I was, a, I listened to a lecture that Quest Love did it was like a red Red Bull lecture some time ago maybe like 2015 2016 where he was kind of talking about working with D'Angelo and how it was so much it was there was so much difficulty around working with him because of his evasiveness and because he had this like uh process that nobody really understood you know what I'm saying and I always wondered like what would that what would that feel like as an artist, like as a creative, like someone that is, you know, their main focus in life is to create, but they're kind of hung up with the with the idea with the concept of creating because they have such a long process where they even feel they're filling up to it. But then I feel like some of those people are some of the most amazing you know, artists and the most amazing creators and we don't really get to experience them as, as much as we as much as we would like because we don't understand their process to create. Well, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you on that. I think it's a lot of artists that go through that, you know what I'm saying? And a majority of them are the ones who like get crowned as like great from the jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think people, see, people don't really get it. Uh, I'll use one example. The Temptations. The Temptations were, like, popular in Detroit, Motor City. But, uh. they, but they had so many failed singles, like, singles that people thought was good, but they just didn't reached that pinnacle until like they got the group right and David Ruffin finally was the lead singer and they had to find the right song and Smokey Robinson had to give them this one and all this type of stuff. But they were on the scene for years. And so they had to build up their work ethic, you know what I'm saying? To like, like, okay, to survive, they had to like kill shows because they singles weren't making no money and they had families. And so like, they bread and butter wasn't their music. They bread and butter was their show. Yeah. Until they start getting hit singles. And then bread and butter became the show. And the fact that you got a song that's going to be requested over and over again. And then you become the label darlings and all that type of stuff. With D'Angelo and like people like Terrence, Trent Darby, and Prince, and uh, 
I'll, I'll throw somebody like Andre 3000 in there. I mean, you could throw them people from the, some of them folks from Wu-Tang in there. Yeah, Wu-Tang, uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, these people that are like called geniuses and legends from the very first drop. And I know you yeah. probably don't disagree with this, but I got to say his name too, even though his last album wasn't all that to me at all. Who are you talking about? Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I don't like that. They get labeled with that genius label on the freshman drop, on the debut album. They get labeled with that genius. And then the whole thing is they they next project got to live up to the hype of the very first project. And or the very first thing that they do is a hit single. Man, sometimes your first project or your hit single be something you've been working on for a lifetime. You know, you might have been performing that hit single in your mind and it, it open mics and it shows for 10 years and then you finally get that deal and you like, I know this is a hit. And you record it and put it on, put it out there and then bam, you write. And so like, after like all those years of like focusing on like trying to make it, now you got the pressure of like reduplicating that. And yeah. I, don't think, I don't think a lot of them can handle it. And then you got those, like I said, you got that and then you got other artists who are considered like geniuses. When D'Angelo came out, even though you was a fan of the Voodoo album, that first album with the brown sugar on there, man, everybody was like, like they were saying, they was like calling him Prince with the vocals, but it was like, this dude is like an R&B, almost hip hop, hip hop version of Smokey Robinson, of Marvin Gaye, of Sam Cooke. He got the Prince comparison because of his voice, but his his cool demeanor was like giving him like like seventy soul icon like status. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so like after all of that, and then taking out some time to chill out, you know, do, do life or whatever, and then come out with Voodoo, which is his most famous and most popular album to this day. He did voodoo, and then what did he do on voodoo that like that like changed like everything around? He became a real freaking sex symbol. Indeed, indeed. So now you a genius, and the whole world think you sexy. Mm, mm, mm. I think the pressure of that is like it puts more pressure on you to like. Now I got to have an eight pack. Now I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my voice. I got to kill every show. I got to I got to stay black and and not age like that. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I would agree. Ripping off my shirt every show. You know, they going crazy. They throwing themselves at me. That's a lot of pressure. Some people think they can deal with that, but. Everybody can't deal with it. That's why so many celebrities are low-key until they do that. I mean, I don't blame them. I think it's great. Like, I feel like it's cool if you're a celebrity that's really down to earth. Like, 
or at least don't maybe don't take yourself that seriously but like one of the things I feel like I know about both Prince and D'Angelo is that they grew up in a really devout like Christian home a religious yeah. home and I feel like that sometimes also has a really big impact on like you as a like global mega superstar definitely um, yeah and so you know, I don't know. I feel like even some of these newer artists like Ari Lennox um, is another one that I feel like she she actually makes more projects than than like the latter people that we were talking about. But she has like she feels like it feels like she has some sort of like duality with, you know, being a superstar, being talented and just wanting to just make music and sing. And I think that's another part, like you talk about the pressure. People, you know what I'm saying, want to put you in the box. People want to make you something that you're not. They want you to live up to these expectations. But it's just like, well, all I really want to do is create, you know. And that's and that, and that's what really sucks about like today. Like today in the entertainment industry and music industry, it's like you are called on to be more than just what you signed up for. Like you want to be a singer and songwriter and that's in a performer. That's it. But like everybody wants you to be a social media personality and influencer. Everybody wants you to be a comedian. Like you got to share funny videos about your day and share your process in the studio. It's like, they want you to be things that are not a part of your personality. And like people like her, like, yeah, I feel them. Like, you know, um, they, they just want to get out there and share their talents that they worked on and they feel like that should be enough, but it's not enough for these labels. Sometimes it's not enough for some of the fans. Uh, somebody share, I, I, I retweeted it on, um, on Twitter, like last week or the week before last, where 50 Cent was talking about uh, when he had to cut ties with Lloyd Banks. Mm. You remember who Lloyd Banks is. First, <laughs> of all, first of all, first of all, don't do Lloyd Banks, okay? Okay. Don't do him. And don't do um, no, don't do, don't, don't do nobody in G Unit, period. Okay. Please. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and listen to that and not laugh. Um let me tell you something. Don't do don't do Lloyd Banks or nobody in G Unit, period. Okay. Okay. Tony Ayo next. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just telling don't you. Don't do Ned one of them. Don't do Ned one of them. I'll talk about we'll talk about him and Young Buck and Tony Yayo. <laughs> <laughs> but Fifty Cent said he had to cut ties with Lloyd Banks. Uh, this was back in the day, of course, because they're not G Unit no more. So, <laughs> uh, man, because he was telling, this is like back when Instagram first was like taking off, and he was like, "Yo," he telling Lloyd Banks, "Like, yo, man, open up an Instagram account." He was like, "Man." All you got to do, post a picture of yourself looking fly and, you know, take some of your bars and make a caption 
and bam, you're going to get followers. You, people going to be waiting on you. You, you ain't got to, you know, compromise anything, really. Just take a picture, post your own bars, and people going to, like, be waiting on your next album. And then he said that Lloyd Banks replied, man, I ain't opening nothing. I ain't doing no Instagram. I ain't doing all that. Biggie, mm-hmm. Tupac would never have an Instagram. I ain't doing it. <laughs> and then 50 responses. I know that's right, Lloyd. 50, 50 cent responses like, man, Instagram was born like <laughs> 25 years after they both died. They never had a chance to experience what social media is like. You don't know what these dudes would have been doing 25 years after their career had been thriving and surviving off like that. And he was like, that's when I knew he didn't get it. It's quit the money in him. Because uh, uh, uh. he wasn't trying to help his own career. He thought that he could live off his music and bars alone and not do the rest of it. Now, I do agree with 50. Like, social media presence is, is important. For promotion, but on the other side of it, I feel like Lloyd Banks knew a little bit something about social media because he's still not on social media, really. No, I mean uh, you got a point about like who is Lloyd Banks because I only know Lloyd Banks because I am a Fifty Cent G Unit fanatic. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So go That's- ahead. I think about Lloyd Banks often because I love that whole crew. Tony Ayo, you know what I'm saying? Young Buck, The Game. Okay? I love all of them. I think about all of them often. They are always in my thoughts and prayers because I love them. That's why they're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. That's me. It touched my life, okay? As a collective and individually. Yeah, and but the demands for what artists have now compared to back then, like Fifty put his boys on. That was just that's just that's just matter of fact. He put on <laughs> the game, Young Bug, Lloyd Baxter. Yeah, he put them all on. But back then, it was like be talented, come up with a hit song, and that was easy for artists easier for artists to do versus yeah. being a, a social media personality. It is it is just harder for people to do that. And that's why you got people like D'Angelo who you don't hear from at all because they like, they totally, totally not with it. They don't want to post anything online. They don't want to, they don't want to talk to fans on a regular basis. They just want to go do their shows, go do their tour, make their money. And I'll, I'll see you again in six years. And that's yeah. heard of now. Uh, you only got a few artists out here that could drop something and um, without any social media presence at all, and it does great. And I look at them artists like, man, y'all just lucky to be considered like icons because can't nobody else do what y'all do and make a living off it. You got to well, I mean, even um, no posts. The millions of followers waiting on you. Even um, even Rhapsody, Rhapsody came up with a song with D'Angelo. I guess maybe twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, 
And she was saying like, you know, I just really want to, I, I was really wanting to record with him and come to the studio. And he was like, nah, I like, I'm good. Like he didn't even want to, he was literally collaborating with somebody and he was like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to, I'm just going to record it. And then I'm going to send it to you. And then, I mean, I don't care if you like it, but hopefully you like it. Cause if you don't that about, I, I can't help you kind of thing is how it felt like. And so he won't even like come to the studio to collaborate with people that he's literally collaborating with. Look, and let me, okay. So as a, as a recording artist, let me say something about that. Okay. I feel him on that. Got it. Because everybody got their own studio personality. And if you don't record in studios, you don't know, understand what I'm talking about. But if you do, you know what I, exactly what I'm saying. Some people love the studio and they can sit in the studio for uh, 16 hours in one day. They can sit there and work on that song all day or work on multiple songs all day long. And then you got some people who like me, I go to the studio two, three hours, knock out everything I need to do. And then if I get a call from the studio telling me I need to fix something, I'm setting up another day to go do that. because. It's like sitting in the studio for some people is fun. It gets their creative juices flowing. And then for other people, it's a headache. And then having other people in there with you, looking at you the whole time, or expecting you to do something, it can be more pressure than you need to go get done what you need to get done. So it's really all about your personality. And I can tell you, I'll tell you one thing, I used to be able to sit in the studio for hours. I would only leave to go get something to eat and, come uh -huh. and sit in there for hours every day. And now I like to just get my stuff handled. But but especially when I have other people in the studio with me, I make sure to get them in and out as quick as possible. Because sitting there all day, it just be a waste of time, a waste of money. And it really, it drains, it drains you. You know what I'm saying? So I feel them on that because he probably was like, I don't want to sit there and listen to 100 beats to find the one that both like. I don't want to sit there and watch you record your verse. I don't know if you do it in two takes or 376. Right, exactly. You know, I don't want to go to the studio and then you might have some friends who fans of me and then they all sitting there staring at me while I'm in the booth while I'm trying to sing and get my notes together. So what I'm going to do is you got the beat, you got the verses laid out, send it to me, and I'm going to take it to my personal studio, and I'm going to knock it out in my time frame, and I'm going to get right back to you because the process could be so much easier that way. Well, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I just want to send love and light to all the artists out there who has a process that people don't understand. Hopefully, you know what I'm saying? You can you can be able to create and not be concerned about, you know, uh being the being consumed by people whose only goal is for you to be their entertainment. No doubt. And so Ashe. Ashe. And for everybody asking for that next outcast album. Andre, he's just not interested in doing music right now. Me personally, I'm okay. I'm good without it. I'm straight. 
But for the rest of y'all, I hope you I hope you experience it. So everybody waiting on Kendrick Lamar. It's gonna be another three years for you to even see what he's gonna do too. I thought he was retiring. Now he is somebody who I don't want to one day we're gonna have to die, we're gonna have to dissect this, but Kendrick sends me, you know, he he bothers me a lot. Um and so I thought he was not making music anymore. He definitely gonna make some more music, but he's his music sounds so good. You know, he'll do a tour and then he'll he'll chill for two years, two or three years. So I just want to go on the record to say there's way more better people on TDE than Kendrick, and then we can move on. Well, you went on record right then and there. You did it. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I think he another person that got hit with the genius label, the classic album label off top. And then what uh -huh. did he do? Ever since then, he's been slowing down. Well, like you said, like there's, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. Uh, two things about Kendrick that I appreciate. One, seeing him perform live was mm -hmm. incredible. And I didn't really get the Kendrick hype until I saw him perform live. But that's that's a nuance I have with artists that are really like, quote unquote, mainstream. And then kind of like float over into the crossover and pop era. Like people may disagree with me but like Kendrick is crossover and Kendrick is kind of pop also in my opinion but for people that like float over that way towards that way skew towards that way I have a really hard time like understanding the appeal until I see them in person and like I said Kendrick on tour he did a Top Dog Entertainment tour and I saw him in Atlanta outside like in the it was raining outside and like Kendrick was a force you know what I'm saying and the energy that he had on stage the energy that he brought with the crowd was like incredible I've never seen anything like it and to that point it was after he had won the Pulitzer Prize which is also to me like an incredible feat it's like a hip-hop artist and so those two things was I was like, okay, well, I ain't gonna give Kendrick too much because of those two things. But yes, people really elevated him up to be some like genius or some like demigod or something for hip hop. And I just never seen that for him. It's, well, it's, I gotta speak mm. on that because you 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 speaking on it first. Okay. But, but yeah, like for the people who was like listening to Kendrick, I was listening to Kendrick Lamar before he dropped Good Kid, Mad City. Okay. I was to Section 80. And I yes. thought it was dope. You know? Mm -hmm. I thought I thought when he dropped High Power, I was like, yo, people need to hear this. You know? But, you know, that cosign from Dr. Dre gave him so much because Dr. Dre, you know, NWA, basically looked at as the mastermind behind putting that together. One of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time. One of the most notorious. I then, love that. I love that. Then, you know, Snoop Dogg, the, the collaboration with making him, Snoop Dogg is going to be a, a, a legend for the rest of the, the rest of the time the universe is. <laughs> Just defied every he 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 went from look 
being looked at as one of the most dangerous people in the music industry. But he is beloved by all the white folks in the world. Listen, I love this, this man put on a pair of Skechers doing Super Bowl weekend. Come on now. I, I, don't, I don't even have the language to talk about how much I love Snoop Dogg. There's no language. It's just like, it's it's and, like Snoop Dogg and, it, and then everybody else. It ain't a rapper alive or dead that is more loved than Snoop Dogg is. And I put that, exactly. I put money on that. Not a yes. rapper dead or alive that is more loved than he is. He Yes. He, he has become friends with Martha Stewart. Come on now, man. He had a whole show with her. Come on. He didn't put on Skechers. He didn't coach kids football teams at all while keeping a blunt lit up. In I mean, he part that, of the reason that, lead, that, that weed is getting legalized. I, I, I stand behind that statement, too. Yeah. Because people that seen him and his demeanor be like, oh, it's harmless. Look how cool he is. He smokes it. Look how nice he is. They didn't forget every lyric. They didn't forget the murder case and everything with him. Okay. Except that time he had said that thing about Gail King. They was on his ass then a little bit. It was on his ass, and guess what? He did not get canceled. <laughs> People like, okay, Snoop, shut up. We don't want to They was like, whoa. Too much. They was like, that's Auntie Gail now. <laughs> yeah, but then he still remained Uncle Snoop the whole time. We gave Uncle Pass. We did. We gave Uncle Pass. But then, okay, so moving forward, and then what does he do? He discovers, we're talking about Dre now, after okay. Snoop, after the chronic, after Mav, all this stuff, what does he do? He discover the greatest uh, white boy ever. Oh, my God. Give me a break. Rapper. And you Please. know, a whole lot of sarcasm. I'm going to put myself on mute. You know what I'm saying? Sarcasm. I'm going to let you talk about it. I'm going to put myself on mute. I'm done. I ain't even going to say his name. Oh, okay. I'm not even going to say his name. I'm done. Okay. And then after that, what happens? He ends up co-signing and and uh getting his uh his uh his young his young white guy to sign one of the most controversial hit making rappers of all time in 50 Cent. The game. All of this, you know, and so he beats headphones. All of this stuff, he elevated and became icon status in the game. And then what does he do? He finds Kendrick Lamar fresh out the city. And he likes him, basically co-signed him being the next big thing in the game. And that's what he becomes. And Kendrick Lamar's whole album was done. All Dre did was add like one or two songs to Good Kid, Mad City. The rest of the album had already been recorded. So Kendrick came in standing on the shoulders of Dre and all his accomplishments. And Dr. Dre basically said, tell me this ain't the oldest guy you can rehearse in a long time. Well, and he got big money behind him. You know, that's one of the things about it. He stayed with the label that 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 uh, got him where he is, top dog. Mm-hmm. And so he looks like an underground sensation. Got it. Got it. You got corporation money behind you. That's yep, yep, yep. records. I would have never. That is a very that is a really good perspective that I would have never 
I would have never picked up on this. Another reason why I'm like, oh, you know, okay. I see. I see what he's doing. He he top dog touring around the country. Right. With with uh with schoolboy, with Ab, Absol. Mm-hmm. You don't do that when you're a superstar. J-Rock and with J-Rock. You don't, uh, you don't do that when you're a superstar. You don't go on a, or you don't go on tour with your label mates from from the from from your label mates from the label that signed you to the bigger label. Right, right. You're right. on tour with other big stars. Right, that's in the same category as you. Exactly. That like you know what I'm saying Anderson Pack was going on tour opening up for Bruno Mars before Silk Sonic. That's how they got that popping. You know what I'm saying? That's how they got that popping. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When 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 B2K was going around doing that pandemonium stuff, Bow Wow, B2K, they was all signed to different labels. They were like, we're gonna put together all the young acts and all get money for it. Rough mm-hmm. And Rockefeller on tour. We we putting together DMX and Jay-Z. You don't see like tours like that happen, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he knew he could bring more, more attention to the guys on his label. And why they why give that to some people who already got just as much attention as me? So it's rare that that happened. I don't I don't know who Beyonce probably don't tour with nobody opening up for her. I think at one point wasn't she doing like the, them Chloe and Haley girls? Oh uh, yeah, protégé. okay, yeah, okay, well, yeah. But they are they her proteges, so right. So yeah, you know, but so it don't happen like that. He is stayed where he is because of that. Um, so I just say I just say yeah, like you know, he got hit with the Genius label, but he's remained out of the sight of the public. He's you don't hear any news about Kendrick Lamar doing this in public, doing that. It's like he's <clears throat> all the way until it's time for him to start making videos and music. He wanted he 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 another one of them that does things on his own time frame. He just uh, staying consistent. You know, I say that for right now. He is. We'll see. Wow. That took a that took a turn. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. We, we talked about that longer than I thought we would. Yeah, that's my fault. My bad. No, but I, I I appreciate this conversation because like I said, like there's a lot of valid points that I would have never like picked up on. That's what I like about like chatting and the podcast and everything. It's just like everybody has their own perspective and everybody has their own vantage point. And it's great because you like I'm a consumer, like I know I'm I'm a I'm a creator too, but like I'm a way more of a consumer when it comes to like most things. And so I'm gonna always come at people from like a consumer perspective. But then you as like a creator, and like like you said, as someone that's a recording artist, someone that really has like a lot more knowledge and like insights, you have that perspective and it's just kind of like bringing it all together. I love it. It makes me so happy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we both have these very different views that we can both talk about this. Because one day we're gonna have to talk about uh Joe Budden. 
okay, one of these days in the and maybe that the same amount of time it took us to do the cult episode, we can get to Joe Budden. Yeah, because by then we'll have our all our facts built up about him. <laughs> so right. <laughs> we will. We will for sure. Oh man. What else is on the list? I don't know. I don't know. I don't look this conversation that got me so thrown around because I'm like, man. I'm like, now I see why Andre rocking right here with that damn flute. Uh, <laughs> as soon as he put, I want him to put the flute down in the violin as I look to my, as I look at my own violin is in the corner collecting dust. At least he know how to play his. At least he don't. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you know, he's like, man, I'm not doing this no more with y'all. I got a flute. He need to be played. Oh, so I guess we can talk about uh since we since we uh talking about um uh, artists, what were your what was your opinion on Super Bowl performance uh by Rihanna? Because I can't really give you much opinion on it. I'll tell you why later, but what was your opinion on that performance? I thought this is a great segue because we just got to talking about Snoop Kendrick Lamar the interesting white boy and 50 Cent who did the Super Bowl last year that I love. Oh, sure did. You sure right. I ain't thinking mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, they sure did. And um, and so, yes. So, you know, I had been looking forward to seeing Super Bowl Sunday um, and seeing Rihanna perform. I really like Rihanna. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not like a Rihanna stan, but like I really like her. I always want to know what she's doing and what she's up to. Like, she has really carried me through very, like, so many, many facets in my life. You know, not not closely, but just, like, you know, in general, like, there's so many Rihanna songs. And, you know, Rihanna came, when her very first song was a a reggae song. And, you know, reggae is my favorite genre of music. And so... Mm-hmm. When Ponda Replay, when Ponda Replay came on the scene and it was like, it was a, it was mainstream. It was like a really big introduction into like Jamaican music or Caribbean music. And it was such a hit. And Rihanna always, like every so often, like she'll give us like R&B or she'll give us pop, but then she always comes back and give us an old nasty reggae reggae rhythm and you know I live for it and that's really why I like her so much because she's a Caribbean girl and she has always released her Caribbean roots like despite the fact that she is a huge crossover pop artist um she's always true to that so I was so excited to see her perform I didn't have zero expectations I was literally like Rihanna could walk out on stage and touch her nose with the tip of her finger for 13 minutes and I will fall out. She could stand on top of her head and spin in a circle. And I, you know what I'm saying? I would be just as excited because I love her that much. And she, she just did such a good job to me. Like, I thought she was so, like, she was so beautiful. Like, it really be making me like question my sexuality type of thing. I'm like, she is so beautiful. 
just so beautiful beyond words. And it was just like aesthetic, her in the red and the dancers in the white and her being suspended from the sky and just all of that. And then the last, you didn't see any of it, but like the, she did one of her songs, Rude Boy, which is one of my favorite songs. Rude Boy is like one of my favorite songs by her. And she was just doing so much touching her booty and like touching her private parts and I was just like I'm just here for all of it I was like I love it so much it's so great and I really enjoyed it all um what'd you say you sound like you enjoyed it for sure (laughs) I was like glued to the TV and the only time the only time I broke was when I turned to some of the girls and I was like, this is probably like, because it was like, they said it was like 13 minutes. And I was like, maybe like 12 minutes and 15 seconds. And I was like, is she pregnant? (laughs) And like, I had been hearing like all these whispers and stuff in the back because the girls that I was with, they were kind of talking about it, but they didn't really want to say anything out loud. I was the only person who was like, "Is she why, pregnant?" Why didn't want to say nothing out loud? I think, you know, we covered this topic a few months ago when we talked about whether or not it was appropriate to ask about if a woman's pregnant because but you they're know, already talking. Well, I don't know what they was talking about because you know I was not in that. I was only watching the TV and watching Rihanna spank her butt, spank her booty on national TV. And I was just like enthralled with that. So I wasn't, I don't know what they was talking about. But it seemed like there was like a scuttlebutt, as they say. There was all this whispering and stuff going on in the back. And I was like, what is going on? And then finally, I was just like, is she pregnant? And everybody was like, oh, my God, we didn't know what to say. We were wondering, but we couldn't say it out loud. And then I was like, shh, shh. She still got 50 seconds left. <laughs> That's how I feel. Talk about it after. <laughs> I was like, stop, stop. Just be quiet. Okay, okay, okay. We'll talk about it later. And so I just let them talk while she finished the show. And I was like, she's pregnant. She's clearly she's pregnant. Yeah, I mean. Well, the reason why I can't say much about a performance is because uh, I watched the entire Super Bowl, the game, and the halftime show on mute. Uh, so I was doing other things, but just mainly focused on the game. And when the halftime show, I just kind of glanced at it a little bit. But even in my glancing, I was like, yo, she pregnant again. Like, ASAP <laughs> did that again. Again. He's like, as soon as possible. Because I'm like, ain't you supposed to be like five or six weeks after? And man, like she, I ain't gonna estimate what month she in or whatever, but it looked like he got right back to it ASAP. <laughs> Somebody was like, and she's always pregnant. You said what? AS- Somebody was like ASAP and she's always pregnant. <laughs> I mean, hey, I ain't mad at her. I don't know how old she is. 
but I know she like if she ain't close to it, she is billionaire status. And so like she ain't worried about nothing when it comes to like her her um <coughs> excuse me. She ain't worried about nothing when it comes to like her career. She's like she said, she ready to go. So like if you want to have your family right now, this is the time to do it. Because you know, it's no, the music industry is notorious. And the sports world is notorious for telling women, the music industry, the entertainment industry is notorious for telling women, do not get pregnant. That's going to hurt your career. Yeah, notorious. Uh, women who are athletes have lost, lost endorsements. Uh, lost their careers for deciding to have children. Uh, women who are pregnant in the entertainment industry, actresses, actors, and actresses, you know, have lost work because they got pregnant and didn't want to go back to work. <coughs> and, you know, changes hormones. They, you know, they just aren't welcoming to that in the entertainment and, and, and then the singers oh my god uh, I feel like even the singers are now in the music industry are now bigger like uh, being a sex symbol has become more and more important and you know they look at it like being single or at least not a mom helps you maintain your sex symbol status longer and so, like, I don't know what she was told in the beginning of the career. <laughs> we just know that she went through a lot with Breezy, you know? And uh, that's the only thing we kind of saw. But ain't no telling how long she been wanting to have kids. So if she want to have these kids now, man, she, don't, she ain't never got to put out another song again. I suggest that she do, does put out another song, though. Only because that Lift Me Up song from the Black Power, Black Panther, I'm sorry, soundtrack. I don't want her to go out like that. That Lift Me Up song, man, that just, it be sounding so sad when I hear that, you know? I personally did not like that song. I don't even think it sounds sad. I just think it sounds bad, to be honest. And like when they when we everybody was hyping us up to listen to like Rihanna's gonna Rihanna's gonna have another song, I was like, oh, that's gonna be great. And then I listened to that song, and I was very much underwhelmed. And you know, people like it or whatever. It served its purpose. It, char the, it charted like a mug, bro. It charted. I was gonna say, yeah, it did. And I'm like, great. But I downloaded it, and then I undownloaded it because I was like, mm -mm, get somebody else to do it. You a fan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, she said she downloaded it, and undownloaded. That reminds uh, me. My friend, people, and I'd be like, "Oh no, nah, let me look at this page." Oh no, nah. and then I unfriend them immediately. <laughs> That's what I did because I just was not. I just did not like it. Um, but to your point, she's thirty-four years old. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Coming up on that uh, quote-unquote geriatric pregnancy age, because it's 35 and above. Oh, really? Um, and she is a billionaire. 
you know, and she's done a really good job of creating a business for herself. She's so inspiring. Like I am definitely inspired by her and love everything that she's done in her business. And, you know, I wonder what it's like to be a, a mogul, you know, and to have money, to have assets and to have resources and to not have any one to share with or anyone to leave it to, you know, like a lot of people, especially in this day and age, like everybody want to throw around the word legacy. And it's like, okay, legacy, well, yeah, your legacy, legacy. Legacy. yeah, your legacy could be business and it could be, you know, money or it could be your lineage or it could be your heritage. And, you know, I, and for her, and it's also, also like, safe to say like we don't know what she's thinking or what she's going through or experiencing but I will say that like I'm happy for her and that she for us it, on the outside looking in it seems like wow she's done everything she's traveled the world you know what I'm saying she's won awards she's a top performer she has all these different businesses and business models she made all these lists for like Forbes but like what she doesn't have is like children you know what I mean or she didn't have kids and she wasn't a mom and you know and so that maybe was an experience that she wanted to have and isn't within her right to do so and if she never makes another song or whatever she'll always be iconic Mm -hmm. you know I was telling some people that you know because you know we not to compare or whatever but, you know, recently Beyonce released, you know, her tour dates or whatever, and everybody's like, you know, scrambling to see Beyonce. And I just was like, you know, for me, I don't have to see Beyonce in her prime. Like, I will pr- prayerfully, if I'm around during this time, I will, I will line up to see Beyonce do a farewell retirement tour. I will do that. I don't have to see Beyonce now. And the same for Rihanna. If Rihanna decides she never releases another album and she doesn't want to make any new, new music, she doesn't want to doesn't want to go on tour until she retires, I will gladly buy tickets for that. Mm. And that's how I feel about it. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, speaking of somebody that I'm a, I guess, a part-time listener of people that you mentioned. I think that's cool. Uh, they, they have music that is popular and it's gonna go down in history. It's big selling, top chart, and all that type of stuff. Uh, I just think for a lot of guys, we ain't really checking for those artists. Uh, Man, you just see the power of the music industry because, uh, you know, I can't really tell you much about what Beyonce got going on and what Rihanna got going on musically. I just know that, uh, you know, she having them babies. She got kids. Uh, That's what she doing. And, uh, you know, hey, more power to them. I'm glad to see that some black women are out there doing their thing and uh, not only that, diversifying their interest and in, you know, because for so long, a lot of the music musicians uh just were strictly musicians. 
singers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't have diversified interests. And to see like somebody like her use her platform as a singer to become like one of the biggest, like uh, I, I guess what you would call it, makeup uh, distributors or corporations, Fenty, is, it, is that what they do? Yeah. Makeup, right? Fenty is the makeup brand, yep. Yeah, and then she's selling, what, she's selling lingerie and stuff like that too, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and then Beyonce, I mean, man, I, you know, she papered all the way up as well, but she got her uh, her fashion line with her, named after her daughter and everything. And I don't know what else she got after that, but I know she got hella endorsements. I know both of them got hella endorsements. So it's just good to see black women, you know, doing their thing. And, you know, they do it at a high level. That's why I'm like, I could watch them on the Super Bowl because it's like, even if I don't know their songs like that, I'm not the biggest fan. Like, I, I got appreciation for what they do as entertainers, uh, for sure. And uh, they, you know, and to, look, she ain't scared of heights. She got up there and did her thing. I saw her moving around dancing with that little belly. She got a little resop, you know what I'm saying, chilling in her belly. So we're going to see. We're going to see how, how far she go with this, you know. So shout out. I mean, she's not afraid to be – she's not afraid while pregnant because my vertigo and stuff would be acting up. My vertigo would start acting up. That high up in the sky, especially, especially, I would imagine, especially with child. You would so like on the floor, huh? That little thing would have been elevating. You just been laying on the ground, huh? <laughs> waiting on. The I would have been. I, it would have been. I would have been dizzy than a mug. <laughs> like, I, I would not be able to stay still because. I would I would be feeling like I'm moving when I'm not, just simply because I'm way in the air because I got vertigo. <laughs> yeah. So good thing, good thing that she doesn't have those issues and that she's able to she was able to perform. She looked amazing, and I just can't wait to see what else is next for her. Ooh, the the the, the delivery room is next for her. <laughs> After that. Uh, okay. Yeah, about to say uh, she looked nice and right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? That's that's uh, you know, that's the Super Bowl, how that went down. Um uh, I'ma mention this too, since we since we went to sports, man. I, I mean, another big thing that happened recently. Uh, LeBron James. Everybody know LeBron James. <clears throat> King James, as some people call him. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, he recently just broke the uh, NBA all-time scoring record. And uh, that's major. That's major because that scoring record was held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, for over thirty years, I think. Yeah. I think when Kareem, wow. when Kareem retired, Kareem played like twenty years. Uh, Kareem ended his career in nineteen eighty nine. Was LeBron even born? LeBron was born. LeBron was born in nineteen eighty nine. 
He was born. Yeah. So when Kareem um, ended his career, LeBron was probably like top. He was a toddler, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's how long since 1989, that's how long that record has stood as like Kareem being the NBA's all-time scorer. Yeah, so he played for 20 seasons in the NBA. That's so cool. And so for LeBron to to break that record, man, that that means a lot because look at everybody that's been played since 1989. You're talking about Michael Jordan. You're talking about Kobe Bryant. Magic Johnson. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, Allen Iverson. Medworld Peace. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> now my boy Ron. My boy Ron ain't nowhere near that all-time score. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I, didn't, I thought you were naming people in general. So LeBron yeah, was name people in general, but I was trying to name some of the best scorers in the world. Scorers, yeah. <laughs> so LeBron was born in 84. And so okay. he was five when um when Buddy retired. <clears throat> okay, so he was he was just five. He was just hitting um he was just hitting kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a big deal. And you know yeah, hate him or love him, you know what I'm saying? That's that's major because of what we just mentioned, like this record been in the books is 89. We didn't see all these great people come through the NBA, you know, and nobody's been able to do it until this guy from Akron, Ohio was able to break that record. I mean, you know, <clears throat> give props. Even though he's not having the greatest year with his team this year, you got to give him props. Because LeBron, this is like uh, LeBron is going on. Kareem did that in 20 years, like you said. LeBron is in what year? I believe LeBron started in 2020. Okay. LeBron got in 2003. So this, okay. This is his oh, okay. He's 20 years, years too. Years. Yeah. Wow. The, on, the only difference is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he started uh, out of UCLA, that's where he went to college at. LeBron came from high school. Okay, okay. So LeBron didn't play college. Kareem played, uh, I believe, four years of college basketball before he came to the NBA. Well, I didn't know that this was even a thing. And so, like, you know, we talk about this every time we talk about sports. I'm not really a sports person, but stuff like this interests me you know um i do think it's incredible like i'm looking at the top five now they're all names i recognize except um this dude carl malone i don't know him what carl malone yeah carl malone definitely played (laughs) okay i don't know him he definitely played since you've been alive (laughs) okay great well, anyway, I don't know him. <laughs> I'm looking at the top five. In the top five, Carl Who are the top Malone. five you see? 
top five, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jamar, Jabbar, Carl Malone, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, top five. Yeah. And then top 10, number six is, I think it's a white dude, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Wilt Chamberlain, who I know, I know him. Wilt the Stilt. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, Carmelo Anthony, who I know. And then his other Hello, dude. Top 10. Uh, he is, he's number nine. Wow, I didn't know he was there. With 1,200, 1,200, 1,200, is that the points? I don't know what that is. GP, is that the points? GP? Hey, oh my God. <laughs> What's that? What is it? Uh, GP is games played. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, well, I don't know how many points. I don't know. I don't really know. Oh, well, wait, here it is. Okay. Um, 28,289 points, Carmelo. Okay. And then, yeah, number 10 is Moses Malone, who I maybe assume is Carl Malone's brother. No. Okay. No, no way at all. They're not, they're not related at all. Uh, okay, you see, I don't know. I don't know any of these things. Funny thing about it is Moses Malone, I dated like his uh his his uh I guess his goddaughter, say. Oh wow. Yeah. Um anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, well go ahead. Yeah, Carl Malone. He played against Michael Jordan. And so oh, okay. Finals together. Carl Malone played for the Utah Jazz. And it was him and John Stockton uh, on that squad. They were the leaders. Yeah, but Carl Malone played a long time, too. Carl Malone probably played close to 20 years, too. If not if, if not 20 years, he played close to it. Uh, but now, yeah. is Carmelo Anthony retired? Carmelo, he's not officially retired. Okay. He's not playing with anybody right now, but he never officially retired. And there's been rumors that somebody will sign him after All-Star break. Okay. Well, I, I like this. I'm going to look. I'm looking at the list still. And these are names that I recognize. I mean, all the way up to top the top 30, even. even yeah. Actually, top 32, because 32 is Dwayne Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you getting to see these are like, I, I guess these are names of people that we are seeing in our generation that are actually some of the greatest NBA players ever because you seeing like how great of scores they were. You know, like I was shocked that Carmel was top ten, but then I think about it his is. career, all he did was score. Okay, you know, he, all he, he did was score his whole career, and so yeah, this is why it's like. Crazy that like some people don't like the fact that LeBron broke the record. They don't like him. They don't like his game. Uh, but you know you got to call him one of the greatest ever. Yeah, you have to. He's right now. He's the number one scorer in the whole NBA lifetime with thirty eight thousand four hundred and eleven points. That's amazing. Even as and a non sports person, that is so cool. And the only person that's close to him right now is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is about 12,000 points behind LeBron James, and he's sitting at number 14 all-time right now. Yeah. 
I know Kevin Durant. Out of, out of the this, that's the only active player in the top twenty-five, besides LeBron. LeBron's number one. Kevin Durant is fourteen. Everybody else in the top twenty-five right. retired. Is re, is retired, and then you got James, okay. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. They are active too, and they are. Uh, I don't know how far behind they they about two thousand some points behind Kevin Durant. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just I just love that. That makes me happy. And yeah. right up right in time for Black History Month. Everybody on this the top twenty five. How many white how many white people are in that top twenty five? You said I think just that just that uh Dirk breaks when Nowitzki guy. Dirk Nowitzki. And no number eighteen is John Havlicek and number twenty right. West. These are the only white people that are in that top NBA score list. Not bad. I didn't know. I mean, that's kind of shocking to me, to be honest. But like well, I said, you got to think, think about the game used to be uh, they used they used to hate affirmative action in the NBA back then. So. <laughs> the game was. The game was anti-affirmative action when those guys played. So, well, what does he get for being the top, the number one scorer? Does he get anything? Does he get a raise or anything? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, mm. well, you know, a lot of times there are incentives in their contracts if they are when they end the season as a champion or as an All Star or they are top 10 in like uh, points for the season, not in career. So there could be some incentives in his contract based on his accomplishments this season that increase his salary. But they would be, they would be considered performance incentives and not like career incentives. They would be just performance for this year. So, Well, good for him. And good for all the sports fanatics, everybody that's like, I saw so many people like celebrating him and being excited about his accomplishment. I thought that was cool too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that everybody is not going to get to experience in their lifetime, seeing somebody break. Yeah. One. So. Perfect. Well, I think we had a great conversation tonight. I think so, too. I think we really honed in on Black excellence and Black greatness. We covered the gamut. We had a very di a diversified conversation about all the things. And that's like my favorite type of As Matter of Black like podcast episode. What's up? No doubt. So, hey, till next time. Uh, I think next time we definitely need to revisit four ingredients. Oh, for sure. So we can definitely do that. But uh, my final word is, hey, you know, enjoy the rest of your Black History Month. And uh, it matter as a matter of black, matter of black. Matter of black. <laughs> uh, 
you make sure that you make this a Black History Year if you don't already do that. So continue to celebrate Black history, Black accomplishments, Black excellence all year long. And you make sure you tell a young person to do the same. You know? Yep. And we got 12 days until the end of the month, if we want to date our, our episode, 12 days. But like you said, you can go on right into March 1st and just keep on learning. Because that's the thing about Black history is what I feel like. We always talk about sort of like some of the same things all the time. But one of the things you can continue to do after February the 28th is just seek out and learn more about other great things that's happened in Black history. And that's just a great way to just stay connected and just, you know what I'm saying, just be just be yet and still for the culture. No doubt, no doubt. So, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for liking. And we'll see you guys next time. Or talk to you guys next time. Yep. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>